Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 28th, 2011. For newcomers, help yourself to the audios which are there for a free download at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And hopefully, I hope, I really do hope that you, you'll find interesting material to give you shortcuts to understanding this big system which you're living through and your, your parents before you lived through to a system that didn't, most people didn't even know existed. Uh, and with their plans to do with an integrated world, uh, a world governmental system, and a new type of living for everyone, a whole new type of society, planned an awful long time ago, of course, with world meet- meetings taking place all the time, many hundred years ago, even before that, some of them, and uh, planning all of this, what kind of society they wanted, um, right down to the everyone would serve the state kind of idea. That that came out of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. The the world they wanted to bring in is one where you would uh, be born to serve the world state and be happy with that. But And even H.G. Wells wrote about that in his modern utopia, all of these ideas of service, service, service to the world state. So anyway, I show you how it's done by the big foundations, the bankers, international boys and the massive armies of non-governmental organizations which are paid to lobby government and the government's own. It's a reciprocal thing. The government's waiting for them to get lobbied and so they can pass laws. They're all in and out together, in other words, and all the politicians are too. They're all selected before you generally hear their names by higher powers. So we're living through a big change. And, of course, this part, the change where the West is deindustrialized and basically high unemployment and uh, there's no real balance of trade, it's all going one way, uh, which is importing, uh, then uh, this has had to happen, according to Rockefeller. You can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. So we're just the broken eggshells and the cannon fodder, as he's mentioned before. So uh, we're going through the biggest changes that we've seen for since he himself said, since Industrial Revolution began, and they moved millions of people into this, these new slum cities to be crowded together and work in the factories. Now it's the opposite. We're, we're basically all there now, and there's no work. And so uh, that's what the, the whole New World Order is about, managing this chaos. And it's managed chaos. There's, there's a method to the madness, and they know exactly where they're going with it. So help yourself to the audios. Remember, too, all the sites you see listed there have transcripts in English of a lot of the talks I've given as well for print-up. And you can get transcripts in other languages at alanwattsentinel.eu. Uh, so help yourself. And remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers uh, as guests. And uh, it's up to you, the, the listener, to support me. You can do so by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office. Or you can use PayPal. You'll see on the, on the com site how to do it. And uh, you can also send people the same cash. 
It's up to you. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram again, and PayPal, and straight donations are really, really, really welcome right now. As I say, I don't get paid for this, and uh, I certainly could be uh, if I wanted to. But then you'd be on advertisers who would terrify you and then sell the products, and I'd have to kind of go along with it. I'd feel a bit like an actor then, and uh, it wouldn't be so, so genuine for me, although very lucrative. And it's okay for the ones who do it because they've got families to feed and all the rest of it, but still... There's a moral problem there. Anyway, um, what I do here is to try and go through the history and the, the agenda here, the stuff that they sometimes touch on in major news without telling you all the ins and outs of it or really why it's going on, like world meetings. And I, I show you how that led up to them, the, the organizations involved, and how big corporations are have totally merged with government. They're almost indistinguishable now. CEOs to politicians and back again. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and I'm talking about the big system we live in. We're born into it. We take everything for granted, basically. Children definitely do. And uh, they think everything's quite normal. And they can't even imagine how parents and grandparents could live without computers and video games and, and all the things that go with it. Uh, it's completely unimaginable to them. And they, they can't even imagine how their parents at one time would go for walks or maybe jog or run or something because they're always in the house playing these games. Wherever they go, they're playing, playing, playing games, addicted to them. And it was intended to, to bring up a generation like that too, of course, uh, and to, to be very excited about technology. And big government, of course, along with commerce and industry, has always encouraged that the populations to be involved in technology, uh, especially when you're going through a, an industrial and technological work force basically that's where you had all this the science fiction movies on and the about outer space we'd all be involved in it one day we'd all be in outer space and of course only a tiny few ever get a chance to to even go around the planet but that's how they, you really keep a country going towards something a future in other words you find in every age they always have the same societies going down through the ages and they bring forth what they call men of vision uh, and a man of vision is someone who supposedly uh, can take their place off religion sometimes. Sometimes he works with the religion, prevalent religion, and he comes up with how the future is going to be in a nice kind of fuzzy way where they'll all have either work or have something to do. Anything but nihilism and despondency is going to lift their, their, their spirits by telling them things are going to be okay. So we still have it today, only we've transferred it onto uh, the computers. Now the computers, of course, run our lives for us. And everything is predictions by computers. I'm supposed to literally, literally adapt to what the computer comes up with and spews out. Even when the computers for climate change, as an example, are specially made to give them bad news all the time because that's what they want to hear. So nothing really changes, but you'll find one of the biggest companies that has been involved for an awful long time in what they call systems management has been IBM. And uh, they, when they have their world meetings, every corporation in the world attends because they lay out the future. Remember what Quigley said, that the CEOs of international corporations will be the new feudal overlords in this new system. Well, we're pretty well there. 
And we are actually there. And when you look into what they're into, it's just astonishing. But as an example, I'll put a link up tonight at cuttingthroughthemetries.com. And you can find what they've done with Scotland. It's a real test bed for all the systems management stuff. And, it, and it, to an outsider, it might seem like total socialism. But it is. It's socialism with a twist. It's all based on computer models in the future and how to manage populations in every aspect of their lives. It's a communist dream, basically. And this is what you have. Uh, I'd say the same thing with the fascists, too. There's no difference between them as far as I'm concerned. They're always wanting to get into everybody's lives and retrain every single person from birth to death and give them lifelong learning, as I like to call it, which means lifelong indoctrination into the system. Stuff they talked about in the 1940s. So I'll put a link up to, to this one on Scotland. And you can also, as, as Scotland goes through all, all of these um, uh, systems management uh, uh, applications uh, and they actually apply it on the populations. Like, you understand humans don't fit in uh, to, number one, utopias. Uh, every, every dreamer of utopia, uh, even, even if it was Nazi or communist, whatever, on paper everything sounds wonderful. Uh, all your rights and, and, and what you'd be allowed to do and all the rest of it. And, and, but it doesn't work with humans. It doesn't work out that way. It never does. Uh, but it doesn't stop them. It doesn't stop big government from trying the same con over and over. It ends up being a hell on earth where you're being monitored, watched, and papers, please, and all the rest of it, uh, and obeying government to the, to the minutest detail of your daily life. That That's what it's all really about. And it can only get worse, obviously, with massive surveillance and, and interference in your personal life with big companies like IBM. So Scotland's a big test bed for this. It's a basket case right now with uh, unemployment uh, because it doesn't, that didn't fit into the computer's uh, uh, line. And it says here that Scotland's in the grip of depression. There's two kinds, of course, financial, but it's also, it says a number of Scots, the number of Scots prescribed pills to combat depression has soared to record levels with more than one in ten people now regularly taking antidepressant drugs. One in ten. And that's pretty normal because if you look at the Soviet system, you'd have the same problem with alcoholism. Because they always made sure that regardless of how food got scarce outside of Moscow, then you could always buy cheap booze very quickly too. You have to stand in the lineup to get your booze. And that kept them pretty happy. So drugging the population is a common thing that's done in these types of totalitarian societies. And the one that we're in now really is so top-heavy with the socialistic government, massive. It's what socialism is all about. It's massive government that destroys the human spirit and tries to destroy the individuality of each person. They want a collective uniformity across the board and individualism is taboo. In fact, the United Nations has said in its own website uh, since the 1940s that the, the biggest enemy they have is individualism. It would have to be eradicated. Standardization is the key to it. And when you go into IBM, for instance, here's an article from IBM. It says, over the 100 years of IBM's existence, we've developed and refined a thoughtful and comprehensive approach to corporate citizenship. Now, corporate citizenship, right? That we believe aligns with IBM's values and maximizes the positive impact of which we as a global enterprise are capable. We do this in four ways. We can identify and act upon new opportunities to apply our technology and expertise to societal problems. See that into politics, into socialism. 
And it says, see smarter cities challenged. They're into the smarter cities, smarter grids, grids, all of this stuff. Uh, education, everything. We scale our existing programs and initiatives to achieve maximum benefits. See the world community grid. So there's your world community. We empower our employees and others to serve their communities. Serve their communities, right? See service jam, it's called. So in this new world order, you have to serve your community and the world state. We integrate corporate citizenship and social responsibility into every aspect of our company. We focus our community engagement and corporate service programs on specific societal issues, including the environment, community economic development, education, health, literacy, language, and culture. Well, folks, that's everything. To understand, that's everything. It says these are areas of urgent societal needs. So they can always say it needs, but it's rather than say we're taken over, where we can apply IBM's technology and talent to solve problems rather than simply making cash donations. We believe that direct action and collaboration, not spare change, are the path to real change. But it's also very lucrative for them because they get paid by all the departments of governments to work with them, you see. This is in all of our community service efforts. So remember, IBM is a big corporate monster. And I, I hate it when I see Walmart or, or any of the other big companies saying, we're part of your community. They're not there for charity. Believe you me. This is in all of our community service efforts, service efforts, right? We aim to provide leadership. We insist on excellence. Whereas using voice recognition technology to help children learn or read or cloud computing to make disaster relief tools available instantly to recovery workers who expect to affect widespread positive change. But who defines what the positive change is? They do. And we work closely with highly qualified partners who are deeply committed to the same outcomes. That's all the NGOs and the big organizations and foundations. This is our approach to stakeholder engagement. That's a common term to use stakeholder to collaborate with leading organizations to evolve meaningful and sustainable solutions, etc., etc., uh, they also talk about global citizenship and corporate citizenship and all the rest of it. So you're looking literally at one of the biggest players in this world system that we're, you're actually in now. And they've been at it for a long time, working with governments, the RAND corporations, all the big ones who run data through machines and decide how society is to be organized, uh, how every age group will be worked on from different uh, bureaucratic sectors and how the end product is supposed to be, whether you like it or not, or even if you don't end up the way you're supposed to be, they're going to try and, and cram the square peg into the round hole. That's what always happens in, in these these con games of utopias, as I say. And it's not going to be a, a utopia. It's not a utopia now when everybody's watching you and everyone's dangerous now, apparently, according to the police and all the different agencies out there. And if you're not dangerous at the moment, you could be down the road. Well, of course, anybody could be. Uh, especially if your life is threatened. You, you should become dangerous, all right, uh, as any creature or animal will become dangerous. Even a rabbit will bite you if it's got young down the, that hole there and you put your hand in. But we're not allowed to, apparently, as humans. There's only certain ones allowed to use uh, total force, and, of course, that's the authorities. Anyway, that's the world they want to bring us into, and that's why they allow such violence to happen across the world now in the domestic regions because they see, well, it's just a group of the masses. You're not a human being under IBM or government anymore. You're part of the general masses. And they've all had their lectures, all the bureaucrats, about this and how the masses being crammed together will always have squabbles and little fights 
and therefore the police don't come in and necessarily looking to see who's right or wrong. They'll just taser everybody or arrest the whole lot or maybe even shoot someone. That's how it is now. They're taught that. Like it's a separate, a separate human uh, race. The masses is a separate human race to them, to those in uniform, in brotherhoods, etc. That's how the world really is. And as I say, I'll put up the, the link too to strategic objectives. That's again uh, this, the same kind of management uh, from the Scottish government. Wealthier and fairer Scotland. Is there more un- unemployment than ever? And they've got food banks on the go. A healthier Scotland is a cutting back on all health care. Uh, a safer and stronger Scotland, helping communities to flourish, become stronger, safer places to live, offering improved opportunities and a better quality of life. And it tells you I find more about safer and stronger. A smarter Scotland, expanding opportunities to succeed from nurture through to lifelong learning. To lifelong learning. That's the communist agenda. Lifelong learning is being updated throughout your whole life with PC, the new PC of the week. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about utopias and how we always get the wonderful dream given to us that we're all working towards something. And when they tell you that, that's called uh, positive freedom. And this is a, t- a term they use in philosophy for regimes. Uh, negative freedom is where you go through a 70s era, 1970s era of lots of movies kind of going nowhere and uh, not, nothing too strenuous at the time. But uh, you didn't know much of what was really going on. You were kept in the dark and, and like children, and you could play and have fun. So that was called negative. And then you have positive where you get the whole country in a kind of war mode working towards or to fight something, uh, like a threat from outer space they kept talking about, which they've, they've settled on eventually for climate, climate change. That's the one that they picked. There's something up there that you, you, you keep looking up. And climate change, you know, a threat you see, well, they pull together to fight this threat. Same kind of thing. That's, so that's positive freedom. Although we're still lied to, we're fighting for the wrong reasons. It's a big bogus lie. These are the techniques that are used upon the public by those who apparently uh, have deemed themselves to know better. Back to Scotland again, that's the end product of socialism, and you've got breadline Scotland. Thousands of families will be given food handouts because they can no longer make ends meet. And I'll put that link up tonight to all these links up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. They jumped to Australia. That's had years of Fabian prime ministers, belonged to the Fabian Society. And bringing them into the same kind of system, very Chinese in a way, because China's already communist. We forget all that, and but so it's, it's, it mixes with communism perfectly well because the Fabian system worked in the early days directly with Moscow, and so here's all these millionaires working directly with Moscow, based in London, and traveling over to the Kremlin where they had access all the time. And uh, their job was to bring in uh, this society of socialism to work with the international banks, that, because they were not going to do away with interbanks under under international socialism. The same bankers. Anyway, Australia is uh, in a bad way. More Australians uh, fail mortgage payments. 
This is Investment Services. Moody's said the rate of mortgage holders failing to meet their payments rose from 1.36% to 1.67% between March and June this year. The biggest declines in mortgage performance came in Queensland, West Australia, where the driver of Australia's economic strength, the resources sector, is primarily focused. This is the parent Paradox is partly explained by the fact that non-mining jobs still account for most of all employment in both states, and such sectors lag the mining sector and growth, Moody's senior analyst Arthur Carabatsos said. So they're, they're falling down too, because they're supposed to fall down this time to merge more intensely. Just as they're doing in Europe, they say, well, we've got, got to totally integrate now to save the euro, or we're all, you know, and they want $4 trillion now, $4 trillion extra to throw in that big black hole they've got over there. Uh, to, and they've got to totally integrate all their services and administrations into one system. That's a big speech from Barroso today. So Australia is going to do the same thing with New Zealand and China and a few other uh, countries around there, this, this uh, Asian Pacific uh, group that's been created. Exactly what Karl Marx talked about a long time ago. So we're on a roll, as I say, into this new, this new world order. We're actually there. And we're learning about it more and more as more laws come down atop our heads. Because it's very authoritarian, like the Club of Rome said, it would have to be authoritarian and post-democratic. And the European Union, that's so secretive at the top, this strange commission that they have, uh, that uh, they sit there like Caesars and, and, and just uh, vote in secrecy and don't even know who they are. Um, literally, that's what you have now, is ruled by secrecy. You're in, you're completely estranged from government. You see the talking heads below them, but they have no power to do anything. So the ones at the top make all the decisions. Anyway, the European Commission, uh, they want a financial tax and it's been opposed by the UK for the meantime. And it says bank shares have fallen in London after the UK said it would resist a financial transaction tax on EU members proposed by the Commission. The tax would raise about 57 billion euros a year and would come into effect at the start of 2014. What are they going to do with all that cash, eh? What do they do? What does any government do with all your cash, really? Apart from spread it across the world and grants to NGOs and organizations and things like that. And since when were you ever asked if that was okay? Never, of course. Because you're, see, you're international. You've been international for a long, long time. And this is what happened to Greece, of course. They kept throwing this money into Greece like a sinking ship, hoping to plug the hole. And uh, it says a senior EU official urged more unification in Europe as it grapples to contain a debt crisis in Greece that's threatening the euro currency itself. Well, now, they've hinged everything on having the single currency, supposedly. In a State of the Union seat at the European Parliament in Strasbourg, France, José Manuel Barroso, who heads Executive Europe, uh, came down firmly in favour of the 27-nation EU having a stronger central government. Remember what Marx says? Centralisation is the key. And that's what they've got to have. Now, they're pushing, of course, for a European army because any new country, this is a superpower, a new, a new empire, has to have its own army, it has to have its own executive branch and, and powers to enforce all its laws. They're also pushing for the right to make all laws and, and police and, and arrest and all the rest of it as well and take over from all the little states that they now call them states that are part of the EU. He says, if we do not move forward with this more, with more unification, we'll suffer more fragmentation, he said Wednesday. The same nonsense they use on the public to get them into the EU. If you don't join the EU, you'll be left behind, they said. 
You'll get poor where all the rest of them get rich. That was a lie that they told them all then. So here you have to, you have to go further unification and uh, integration. It's going to be a baptism of fire for a whole generation, Barroso added. That doesn't sound too good, does it? Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and talking about crisis. Crisis is the greatest method of of changing society and get them all working towards your common goal that you've laid out for them to work on because otherwise they won't do it. So you've got to create a crisis, whether real or imaginary, to get uh, everything changed. I mean everything, cultures, everything changed. So the the EFSF, this European monstrosity, needs uh, to be 4 trillion euros, says Daniel Gross, who's been awfully gross about the money that he wants. 4 trillion euros, after all the cash they've already thrown into this black hole that just goes to money heaven, just like they did in the States and Canada. The new Eurozone bailout fund, the EFSF, may need to be as big as 4 trillion euros to assist banks. Daniel Gross, director of the Centre for European Policy Studies, has admitted it's a private organisation. We're run by private organisations here, unelected. The senior officials are afraid to tell lawmakers, reports the FT. Says the Eurozone's largest 91 banks need 4 trillion euros next year alone to roll over debt, but money markets are increasingly refusing to give European banks credit, leaving Eurozone's taxpayers to plug the gap unless the banks are nationalised. So that, what a wonderful scheme to join this and be plundered and plundered of your cash forever. It's a wonderful scheme, isn't it? You'll be left behind, you know. Morgan Stanley, for example, calculates that of the 8 billion euro funding, that's currently in place for the largest 91 Eurozone banks. Some 58% needs to be rolled over the next two years. More startling still, 47%, as I say, of uh, the funding is less than a year in duration. The FT reports that senior officials, EU, ECB, ECB and IMF, are withholding uh, from lawmakers vital information about the size of the mega banks' debts to pass this monstrous EFSF legislation, which will give banks virtually an unlimited pool of taxpayer money. Why give them anything? They're supposed to be private banks. Why give, why give them anything? Let them collapse. If, if you want the same corrupt system to go on, and this is the key to it, they do want the same corrupt system to, because it's a control mechanism over the general populace. They don't want you in a post-industrial society where you have to go into a state. They don't want you to have extra cash to spend on things. But it's a control mechanism over your lives. And they're bringing the same ancient, ancient control system with, with compound interest. So there's always a shortage of cash out there with compound interest. Uh, they're bringing the same system into the EU monst- monstrosity, as they will do with the NAFTA, North American Free Trade monstrosity as well. Because increasing the size of the fund has proved controversial in many creditor countries, particularly Germany, Finland and Netherlands, senior officials have tried not to discuss options publicly for fear of spooking parliamentarians who must approve the new powers in a matter of weeks, says Peter Spiegel. The amounts will ruin public finances and drag down states in the Eurozone, admits the FT. For some countries, bigger contributions to the EFSF will add huge pressure to their already strained public finances, writes Peter Spiegel. 
Such an increase would mean France, whose triple-A rating is essential to the market credibility of the EFSF, would see its debt levels rocket at a time when its bond rating is already, already under scrutiny. It's just not conceivable to have a much larger EFSF and still have France as triple-A, said Mr. Gross. The sum of 440 billion euros for the EFSF is clearly too small, concedes the FT. But the 4 trillion euros required to keep the insolvent banks over water for just one year, that's just one year, so they want another 4 billion or more, amounts to a third of the eurozone's entire GDP of about 12 trillion euros. So this is, this is to get a new system of government, this, this big monstrosity called the, the EU parliament, to get more power for eternity. This is what this is for, eternal debt, understand. The whole of the eurozone will soon look like Greece if parliament agrees to the EFSF. All the Greek government tax revenues are now not enough to pay even the interest on the sovereign debt. Well, that's what you get with compound interest. Under brutal new measures, Greek pensioners on an income of little more than 4,000 euros who own a flat, an apartment, will have to pay tax. Uh, so, well, the IMF's in there already, and that's what they do. They can slash everybody at the bottom, including all your health care. So anyway, that's the article there, and it's, it's just disgusting, but... Uh, I've always said, till you get the, uh, to the roots of this corrupt money system, nothing will change. And when they want the same corrupt money system with the same international bankers and lenders uh, running the show into this new system, it's really the same old system, only it's world government type uh, corruption with the same boys running it. Obviously. Why would you keep, why would you drag along something that's never worked for the people? Well, you see, the system is not supposed to work for the people it's for the boys at the top that's what it's for and it's interesting too to see what's happening in Australia because Australia is getting plundered now, they've really raced ahead with their carbon taxes, carbon trading and all of that utter nonsense because Mr. Rothschild who brought the bill forward in Britain did say uh, that all the the world's uh, carbon Taxes will come through his personal, the, the family bank in Switzerland. And of course he's in there with Gore and all the other biggies because they, they're going to, that's, that's like billions going through every, every night. And if you hold that just for a, a night and a day, that's an awful lot of interest you collect on it all, isn't it? It gives you a lot of power too, over nothing. Over nothing. A, a, a pure, imaginative, uh, ideal, basically. Something that doesn't exist as a problem. So Australia also is, is outsourcing. Actually, they're giving out pretty well all of their mining to foreign companies based in India, because India's getting all the grants that we're paying them for and, and starting up massive companies. See, under the World Trade Organization, just like China, uh, we will pay and fund all companies to move there too, whatever, whatever's left. And your governments will back them dollar for dollar or even 10 to 1 or 100 to 1 for every investment dollar, private investment dollar. They'll back them so they can't fail. So every crook in the planet is, is jumping into uh, India now. So anyway, uh, India has taken over the mining in Australia, it would seem. So the scope of the, the coal mine and associated infrastructure project envisaged by Indian company CVK Power is a whole lot bigger than was proposed by Hancock Coal, but all, not all the benefits are, are going to flow to Australia. And you go through it all, uh, this Indian company's uh, laying down a line, 500 kilometres of railway line, right to the mines, right to the port, Abbott's Point, where it'll go off in ships, etc., to go to India, 60 million tonnes of coal a year. 
And they're, but they're also going to bring down, when you scroll down, their own labor, their own labor probably from India. Uh, and they can do that under the free trade negotiation uh, deals that they made because it says right in it, if you see if you're bored to ever look at it for Canada, the States, and elsewhere, the free flow of capital, uh, goods, and labor. And here you're seeing one of their first big tests of it taking place in Australia right now. And there's nothing you can do about them. You can't force them to employ your own people. That's how that's what it's all about. Very old plan from the early 1900s, and here we are. And Canada, the biggest news in Canada, apart from Clement, one of the politicians here, spending millions and millions of dollars that was spent was meant for the G8 meeting, a G8 meeting they had uh, on his own riding. Uh, they give us almost gossip in Canada. It doesn't go anywhere. But anyway, Conservative MP blasts decisions to fund Planned Parenthood for, for abroad. A vocal pro-life Conservative MP has fired a broadside his own government over his decision to fund overseas maternal and child projects run by International Planned Parenthood Federation. Saskatoon Humboldt MP Brad Trost, the MP who said during the last election the organization would be defunded, said he and many others are dismayed by the latest decision. He called it political hair-splitting. He says only more politi- uh, public tactics will work to pressure the Conservative government to drop its support for the group. And, of course, Margaret Sanger was the big champion of that, the one who said that children were weeds. But, of course, she was talking about other people's children because she had eight of her own. But anyway, I'll put this uh, article up, too, amongst with others at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the broadcast. But it's just astonishing what's really going on. Not really astonishing. It doesn't surprise me. I've been watching it for years. But... uh, as I say, China was built up, just like India has been built up by, with our tax money through the World Trade Organization, funneled through it. And all your prime ministers, all your presidents across the world have signed on to this deal. They're all in on it. They know what's going on. And we have to go downhill as the, those countries supposedly come up. But in reality, your money is going to the their corporations that they set up. They're all subsidiaries of even bigger corporations. And so it's passing our money to big international corporations across the world. That's what they mean by third world aid. But China's wealthiest, wealthiest are unfazed by the global turmoil. The financial breakdown gripping most global economies today might have little effect or perhaps none at all to China's wealthiest. Forbes in its recently annual list of China's richest people revealed the Asian country had in fact increased its billionaires roster this year to 146 individuals, up by 14% from 128 last year. Liang Wengen, chairman of construction and equipment manufacturer Sunny Heavy Industry, is the richest person in China with a net worth of $9.3 billion, moving up from third place. It's like sports, isn't it? Moving up from third place last year when it was worth $5.9 billion. Uh, Liang owns 50% of the Sunny Group, which sells construction and transport machinery as, such as pile drivers and wind turbines. Second was Robin Lai, co-founder of search engine Beidou, with a net worth of $9.2 billion, up $7.2 billion a year ago. And it's got a wee list of them here. For many of China's wealthy have been reported to wanting to leave China, citing better educational opportunities for their children and quality of life concerns on other shores. At least 27% of the 20,000 Chinese citizens worth more than $15 million in individual assessment assets have has had emigrated and 47% are considering it and they go to very places like Switzerland and so on that's where they head off to 
So we live in a, a really interesting world where nothing is ever as it seems to be. And um, it's just astonishing to, to realize that none of it came about by, by chance, by itself. It was all done through global United Nations meetings, World Trade Organization, World Bank, IMF, and and all the same bunch that were set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs an awful long time ago to do justice. Because they planned to give all their factories, all the factories of the West and industrialized nations, to China. And it was all planned and worked out over many years, many much negotiations and signing of documents, etc., to make it all happen. Uh, Canada and other countries were training thousands of uh, Chinese students in engineering when they didn't even have plants to go back home to and work. We paid for those plants to get moved over and we paid for them to get set up so that everyone back home could be unemployed. This is what they call about equality and fairness across the world. And no one's consulted at the bottom about it. No one at all. Quite something, isn't it? It really is quite something. And getting back to that, that strategic objectives and, and how they, they work um, and, st- and strategy management and so on with IBM, as I say, it happened in ancient times too. They used to have oracles and, and special channelers and uh, you see the Witch of Ender where Solomon got some advice, uh, that, that kind of stuff, to give them good advice about the future. Now they're using computers, you see. Same, it's just the same old, uh, with, with nonsensical input, so you get nonsensical output. But that's where people put their faith today, as in a computer is going to know all, it's far better than humans, and it's more logical, therefore it will obviously get to, uh, make the world all, all perfect. And they really are pushing this rubbish, but because you see, we're humans, we are not machines. And you cannot go that way. It does not come into any spiritual side of our life. And people are spiritual beings, uh, and religious beings, one way or another, whether you like it or not. Even if they go the other way and take Marxism, Marxism is also a religion or secular humanism. And then you'll see real, real horror coming along your way if they take that route. So it neglects all the basic needs of, of real human beings and tries to treat you like a machine from birth to death. And that, that's not a very nice uh, future at all that they're bringing in whatsoever. Now there's some callers on the line there, and I'll see who they are. I'll have to refresh this page, and I'll be out in a second. But um, as I say, it's interesting to see that... Uh, how things are now. There's there's Dennis from Michigan. There, are you there, Dennis. Hello. Uh, thank you for everything. Yes. Um, I I watch very little TV with the volume on. I quickly I monitor two TVs for my elderly parents who are in their 90s. Make sure they don't get messed up. And I, it's astonishing what we're going through. And the majority of what's on TV is people singing and dancing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It, it's unbelievable. Actually, this happened. H.G. Wells, who attended these big world meetings, talking about chaos coming down, even had it in some of his novels that uh, in World War II, he says, we churned out the music that they would sing and dance to. 
and so everything appeared normal, even though it's bizarre under the circumstances. You're quite right. It appears very bizarre. The same thing happened in Britain during the 70s with massive unemployment as, as the, under the agreement from the 1946 agreement of the United Nations, they were deindustrializing and thousands every day were being laid off, laid off. That's all you heard for, for years. Suicide rape overtook Sweden, but you turn on the television and there's everything normal. There's your comedy show, there's singing and dancing, and, and that's the impression. It's like it was schizophrenia. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. I've never heard anybody refer to you uh, as a deprogrammer, but mm-hmm. that's what you are. Well, I, I think I just point out the obvious, because see, we take so much for granted. Uh, because we're conditioned to do so. But when you really sit and, and say, why am I thinking this? Who put this in my head? Uh, where did I read that? Or who put that out? Uh, why is the television like that? Why aren't they giving us a realistic version of what's happening right now in our area during unemployment, so thousands losing their homes, uh, tent cities? Uh, and meanwhile, they're, they're giving you song and dance. Like, I mean, it's, it's like entertaining children, but that's how they see us, you know. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, today on the news, I said that these uh, melons um, that have the listeria, which is real close to Manhattan, Kansas, where Plum Island moved, yeah. and a couple of weeks I heard on Fox real quick, they ran a deal on the bottom, said a couple of kids swimming in the lake in Kansas got brain-eating parasites. Mm-hmm. But now they say these melons, this listeria could lay dormant for 10 years. How do they mm-hmm. know that? Oh, they probably created it. I mean, most most of the killer diseases they have now have been weaponized, and they were weaponized actually in World War II. There's a great book. It's called uh, Canada uh, Canada's uh, Deadly Allies, and it's an expose of declassified information from the government in the book, written by a Toronto Star reporter, and he goes through uh, what Canada uh, Canada led the field. In fact, they supplied. Plum Island with a lot of its bacteria and viruses, which they'd already weaponized in Canada. Uh, Lyme's disease is one of them they weaponized too. And they dropped them and they attached them to ticks and uh, dropped them on deer out Alberta way. And then they went south into, into the U.S. And the same out east as Canada and then went into New York region. So uh, they've been at this game for a long time, weaponizing the diseases. We're sending you another order. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Back after this. Hi, folks. I'm back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, and we'll go to Julio from Illinois, if he's there. Hello, Julio? Hi, how how are you? Uh, first time listening to your show. I've heard you for a while on Alex Jones, and it's an out in the beyond his show. Uh-huh. Um, I know uh, we're rushing on time. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an investigative reporter, so I'm looking into um, something big uh, in Illinois in regards to a, a well-known pastor. I'm going to leave him nameless for now just until I can confirm the story, but I wanted to ask you about Freemasonry in the church, how mm-hmm. – how, uh, Prudent is that? How bad is that uh, with the organized religions in 501c3? Yeah. And then your thoughts on hybrid animals. I keep having visions uh, about, you know, the scientific dictators just releasing these hybrid animals throughout the nation once 
chaos erupts. Your thoughts on that, and do you think weather modification is going to continue to grow over the next yeah. few years? Oh, I, def- I definitely think weather modification will grow. But uh, I remember a few years ago, I think it was a Baptist Church of America was the first uh, one to come out publicly as the whole church representation, uh, saying that they had the largest members of uh, free Masonic pastors in the U.S., and they were quite uh, okay with that. So uh, you'd be surprised how many are in it. I know that even in um, the, the groups that came from Britain, uh, uh, the various Presbyterian churches, I, I, w- I was at the annual opening once when I was a child of the Presbyterian church in, um, in Edinburgh. It was the official annual opening. And these guys did marching back and forth, these, these ministers. I mean, military marching with all these odd symbols and exchanging them as they were passing arms to each other. And I realized later on, uh, years later, I was watching a Masonic uh, ritual take place in the church. So they've always been Masonic, of course. So they're all throughout the, the churches. Now, the, the, the tax exemption that they take with the, the, the 501c3, uh, they are given a list by the government of things and topics they must not now ever mention again. Uh, and, of course, it's all the, the things that get folk uncomfortable. Homosexuality, you can't lambast it. You have no opinion on it at all. And things like that. Uh, so you're, you're giving, so you, literally you're censoring yourself for money. Uh, uh, basically, you're, you're going to you're going to basically tape your mouth uh, in, in order to get cash or, or keep more cash to yourself through tax exemption. You talk about the money because the pastor at the church who he's a pretty well-known pastor. I'm going to reveal his name once I confirm everything. Um, this pastor drives around and. Fancy uh, Jaguar convertibles and goes to the you know the country clubs in yeah. uh, northwest northwest suburbs of Chicago and uh, you know it's just I just find yeah. it very weird, Alan. You know. Well, it's it's not you understand that Christianity today is nothing like the Christianity of previous years, uh, and definitely it's change it changes every hundred years. To Christianity, it's always been used for power for those at the top, and it doesn't matter how well it starts off in the beginning. Uh, all institutions become corrupt with those who move in, move in for power, and they always do. And of course, government loves it because they can they can control the public through religions, through any peoples at all. And the only time there are problems is when you have a revolutionary religion, and people forget that Christianity, when it started off, was a revolutionary religion. It was the first religion that came along to give individual human rights to even a slave. Before that, you were nothing. You were nobody. The common people were nothing at all. And some suddenly they were told, you are somebody, and uh, your God cared about you. That was, a, that was a revolutionary thing to say, and even the priests of that day were awfully, awfully unhappy about it. But it got co-opted as time went on, and then used to control the people. But thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, remember to donate, buy the books, hopefully I'll keep going a bit longer. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God, go with you.